All right, we are live. What's going on, everybody? We're a little early, so live chat probably gonna be a little slow getting people in, but that's cool. We'll go earlier than later before the, uh, you know, get this conversation started before the booze kicks in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we already know what it is. It's a uh, Nooner Nation. Welcome back, podcast for Nooners by Nooners. I'm joined tonight by a uh, a Nooner staple in the live chat. Here we got DJ Davies. What's going on, DJ? What's going on, guys? Ooh, what are you up to tonight besides this? Uh, well, this and this. Nice. What are you drinking? Keeping it simple. Jameson and Coke. Jameson and Coke. You go Diet Coke or just normal Coke? Uh, well, it's actually Pepsi, but. Ah, uh, yes. A man after my own heart. I'm a Pepsi guy over Coke. Yeah. For sure. But. I grew up in North Carolina, which I think is like the home of Pepsi or something like that. But, or maybe that's just Pepsi propaganda. I have no idea. Yeah, don't know. But I know Coca-Cola is out of uh, Atlanta because I went to the Coca-Cola Museum when I was like in eighth grade or something as a field trip. Yeah, I was never a big fan of Coke. Don't hate it, just prefer Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, what about the other kind of Coke? You get down on that? No, no. <laughs> Up until about a year ago, I had a security clearance, so I could never play around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that about your uh, your interesting uh, occupation over the last, what, 20-something years? But, uh, uh, 28. <laughs> 28. Quits, yeah. Nice. But before we do that, everybody already knows the drill. Go like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, the channel's growing. Also, go find us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your uh, your podcasts. I get to, I see like in the background where everybody listens to the show and there's like a I didn't realize how many weird like podcast listening platforms there are but I'm on all of them and people there seems to be people using all of them so including a I have four listeners in India which is weird nice so thanks I don't know what thanks in India in Hindu so they speak in India but they're probably all telephone representatives for uh, Verizon. Probably they're just trying to trying to yeah, trying to figure out how to call me about my extended warranty or something. <laughs> you know, so uh, but yeah, go like, subscribe, all that stuff. Five star review on iTunes. Leave a review, like a written one, goes a long way. And uh, also, yeah, check out uh, check out the guys that support us. I've got my one sponsor, Rep CPS. You can see the hat here. Always fun. They do fun patch hats. You've seen them. The show me show me that butthole hat is their uh, claim to fame. So uh, go over there, repcps.com. Use the promo code Nooners. You get 10% off. And uh, helps him. Dave, the guy's a uh, super nice guy. Just trying to make a business selling raunchy-ass patch hats. And uh, supports him, supports me. It's great. So let's get into it. So, uh. DJ, how long have you been uh, listening to like the the Drinking Bros stuff? Uh, I was a day one homie. Um, started off uh, shortly after I retired. I caught on to the Matt Best uh, videos that JT was putting up there. And then they started talking about the Drinking Bros Network. Then they created it. RIP DB Main sucks. Yeah. Uh, then they started the, uh, the podcast, which I followed. I wasn't a big podcast guy. But I, that was like the one that I followed, and then COVID hit, and I was like, "Well, shit, ain't nothing else to do." So, yeah, you know, I caught on to. I mean, I knew of RPR, but didn't really follow it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, it's part of my life. 
So there's that. And then everything else took off. Uh, American Party, which is now Citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, Greg, JJ, excuse me, High and Angry, yeah. taking off. And it's 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 been pretty a pretty amazing evolution and change. And I really enjoy, I really enjoyed it. So I'm I'm glad everybody's doing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of you mentioned, you know, Greg and JJ and all those guys. That's kind of the reason why I started this whole thing because there's there's just so many awesome people in the community, whether it be like the nooners, the RPR people, or just even in drinking bros. Like so many cool people. And uh you know, you, through COVID you mentioned you got into Ross Patterson Revolution. I think the uh the live chat now on all those shows has be kind of become its own character within the the network. So that's why we do it live because so everybody can have fun in the live chat. So speaking of that, we've got a uh, we got some people rolling in. We've got a uh, Juanathan first in, Jake Farm second. All right, yeah, nice. Space Cowboy, what's going on? Got, anybody's in here or what? Yeah, cream, <laughs> cream pie Jessica's in here. Womb Raider. So gonna be a fun time, fun time for sure. So, um, you know, you mentioned retiring. Why don't you uh, get into that? You seem to, I've read uh, some of your bio stuff you have on things you've posted, and it seems like you have a, uh, a pretty interesting uh, occupational history. It depends on who you ask. I mean, I did 20 years in the Air Force, and after that I you know, became a civilian contractor, basically doing the same job I was doing. Um, I love it. It's a great job. It's an important job. Um, but you know, I'm not a SEAL or a Ranger or a Marine Recon guy, so unless you're an Intel pogue like me, it wouldn't be interesting to really anybody else. <laughs> right. But so what what was your position in the Air Force? Uh, well I would I was a targeteer, a target intelligence specialist. Um, the name has changed over the years many times, but ultimately I was a targeteer. There's try and kind of cage it up there's intel and there's ops that's the execution side we're the planning side okay targeting is basically where it comes together we merge the two um lots of different intel disciplines producing intel you know reports analysis research and the targeteers we take all of that data and we consume it we're consumers of intel to basically plan it plan the missions pick the targets select the munitions, you know, do collateral damage estimation, um, you know, long, long-term effects, strategy, things like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Jessica in the live chat said, yay, Intel nerds with a heart. So <laughs> she's on your side. All right, Jessica. She's single, you know, you're one. Hey, she, she, I think she's a Cali homie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also I read you're, uh, you're originally from, uh, California. Uh, yeah, born and raised in Huntington Beach. Okay, yeah. Been uh, been to Huntington Beach. Who? when was that? 03 or 04. I was there for a paintball tournament they had on the beach, which was actually miserable. But uh, Yeah, that sucks, man. Running around the sand trying to do that shit. It's yeah. a different animal. Yeah, yeah. But it, the Huntington Beach area was beautiful. I enjoyed it a lot. I was also like 15, I think, 14 or 15, so I didn't get to go do have a whole lot of fun you know, around Huntington beach, but, uh, mm. beautiful area for sure. So, 
So you, uh, I'm assuming also you probably moved around a lot throughout your career. Uh, yeah, I started off my uh, career as every airman in um, you know San Antonio, Texas, basic training. Then I went to Goodfellow Air Force Base in uh, San Angelo, Texas, which you know, it was kind of like the arm, armpit of uh, you know West Texas, but fucking love it. It's a great place. From there, I went to Whiteman Air Force Base, um, spent three years mission planning for B-2 stealth bombers. From there, I went to um, Shaw Air Force Base in the 6th and 9th Air Intelligence Squadron. And from there, I went to Korea, Kunsan, the Wolfpack, mission planning for F-16s. Went back to Shaw, and Shaw is the air component for U.S. Central Command, which runs the Middle East right. theater. So when I got back, you know, I deployed came back, I deployed again. And then as soon as I got back, 9-11 happened. So you can imagine where I spent most of that three and a half years. <laughs> right. So uh, from there, I, I went to uh, Mountain Home, Idaho, which is a gem, dude. That's a diamond in the rough. It's a mm -hmm. gorgeous area. Small town, 11,000 people, but I got to mission plan for um, F-15 Charlies, the Light Grays, the uh, Strike Eagles, mm -hmm. and the um, uh, F-16s, the Vipers. And it was great. It was a short two years. I wish I could have stayed a little bit longer. From there, I went to uh, Tampa, Florida, U.S. Central Command. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, four years of my life. Goddamn, I, I didn't realize I could age 15 years in just four, but that was, uh, that was a bitch. Yeah, Florida will do that to you. It was, it was fun. A lot of cool shit. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of bodies racked up. Mm -hmm. And there I went to Goodfoot, back to Goodfellow Air Force Base, Texas, and did my last three years as an instructor, course chief, and a flight chief for the Geospatial Intelligence Targeting Course and the Intelligence Officers Course. And I retired from there. Um, and then from there, I moved um, I moved to Langley, well, to Yorktown, Virginia, to work at Langley Air Force Base, just because, you know, when you balance out cost of living, you know, crime rates, and job availability that seemed to be the place to go. So I'm still here. Nice. Nice. So, yeah. So you're currently in Virginia. <clears throat> yep. Nice. Well, and uh, you mentioned it, but what part of Virginia? Like uh, Yorktown. Yorktown. Where's uh, Let's see. I'm not really familiar with where Yorktown is. Oh, that's really cool, man. It's it, a lot of history here. A lot of Civil War history, a lot of uh, Revolutionary War history. I mean, I've stood. You know, in the in the footings of the foundation of Cornwallis's house, that's about five miles up the road from where I live. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. So you're uh on the looks like you're on like near the York River area, Chesapeake Bay kind of stuff. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Nice. I'm sure. Uh, what's the what's the summer weather like there? It's not bad. I mean, it's pretty mild. We get our hot days like you know last. <clears throat> last week it's been in the 90s you know it's a little bit human but it's really it's not bad at all yeah so i got no, i got no complaints i mean i guess my biggest complaint is that you know we typically get four full seasons here but we haven't had a good snow in years and it kind of pisses me off oh yeah you want you want snow well i know here it's not gonna be bad it's just gonna melt off the next day oh eh, fair yeah here <laughs> Here in uh, Iowa, snow is dreaded for sure. It's, uh, yeah, I know. I, I lived in Missouri for three years, man. I wanted snow so bad just so it wasn't a fucking ice storm. That is fair. 
and uh, I don't know. My wife every year like always wants to have snow for Christmas, which <laughs> is which is cool. But then like we get snow at Christmas, and then we get like sixteen inches of snow, and it just stays on the ground until like May. It's miserable. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can imagine that. Everywhere I've been, the snow melts off pretty quickly. I mean, Idaho, the most I ever saw was maybe a foot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it stuck around, but it was really nice, manageable snow. And there's not a lot of roads where I was. But right. I think the worst I saw was we got 15 inches when I was in Korea, which really sucked because nobody had cars. We all had to walk everywhere. Wow. That's probably the only time any Korean seen anything 15 inches. Possibly. <laughs> Taller than half our workers, that's for sure. Yeah. So um, you mentioned Idaho. What Air Force Base is there? Uh, Mountain Home. Mountain Home. Yeah, my uh, my brother-in-law is a avionics engineer for the Air Force, and he was stationed in Mountain – or I'm assuming it's Mountain Home. It was Idaho. We loved it. For He was there for – I think he was there for two years, and then he went to um, – what is it? Uh, Air Force Base in England for four years. Lake and Heath or Mildenhall? Uh, Lake and Heath. Yep. Lake and Heath, yep. So he was there. He originally was going to be there for two years, ended up loving it, and I guess was able to talk him, like talk his way into staying there for another two years. And uh, Yeah, bastard. I tried, to, I tried to get to Europe for my entire career. I could never get overseas unless it was Saudi Arabia or Korea. Yeah. He went to... Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's a avionics engineer for, uh, I believe, the F-15s. Yeah, if he was at Mountain Home and Lake and Heath, it was definitely F-15s. Yeah, and uh, he was in Jordan quite a bit. I think he was, like, in the UAE a couple times. Uh, obviously, like, stationed in Lake and Heath, and then he would go do, I guess you'd call them tours or whatever, you know. Um, a, lot of de- a lot of deployments, a lot of exercises. Yeah. yeah. He did a lot of deployments. He was, uh, I know... One of the jets he was responsible for was like had the I can't remember if it was the jet. I think it was the pilot though, had like the highest kill count in Syria at the time for a US Air Force pilot or something like that. Uh that would that would be a strike eagle then because you know, the only air to air kills we've had in a while was that one in Syria from a Navy F-18. No, I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was like um, air to air. I think it was uh, bombing runs through Syria. Yeah, yeah. Probably, so. probably. I would not doubt that. F-15 F-15Es did the majority of the work out there. Yeah, he sent me some pictures of it. Sorry, of, community, I love you. Yeah, he uh, he he sent me some pictures of the underside of one of the jets when it came in, and it just had a bunch of like AK rounds through the bottom yeah. of it. So yep. he's like, yep, normal day coming back from Syria. Um, but he loves it. So now he's uh, he's in, shit, I'm gonna mess I think it's Edwards, north north of L.A. in California. Yeah, it's Edwards. Ugh. Yeah. He, uh, I guess, again, I'm going to mess this all up, but I think he, he was saying the F-15s or maybe just the like kind of F-15 project he worked on is kind of being phased out. So now he's there because I guess it's kind of um, like a test facility, more or less. So a lot yeah, of yeah, that, that's their test base. Yeah, so a lot of like the F-15s he worked on and was responsible for, he uh, like were moved out there to test like experimental stuff on. So he runs all that now. Like he's a, uh, in fact, I think he's I don't know what rank he is now, 
But uh, he kind of manages, for lack of a better word, like all the avionics engineers for the F-15s at Edwards now. So That's a good deal, man, especially being at Edwards. If he wants to retire there, he'll roll right into a good job. I've actually got a, I got two friends out there, a retired uh, lieutenant colonel who uh, flew rivet joints and global hawks. He's out there now as a trainer, I believe. Yeah. <clears throat> a couple other folks. I mean, it's a big base with a lot of programs. I wouldn't want to be there, but job-wise, I mean, there's a lot out there. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I haven't heard much about He just got there like the beginning of the year, and he's actually traveled quite a bit since then, so I don't know how he's liking it very much. I know he complains a lot about California being expensive, which is kind of new before going into it. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he seems to enjoy it. And he he talks about getting out all the time, but he's one of those guys, and I'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna go all the way through to retirement because I've gone on vacations with him when he's on leave, and he's the kind of guy like he needs the military discipline to function in life. <laughs> you know, and yeah, he, that's a lot of and he knows it. He knows it as well. So, but yeah, so you retired from that. So, and you, uh, you did some, some contracting for a while. What do you do now? Are you still contracting or are you just. Oh no. Right now I am temporarily retired full time. Temporarily. Okay. I, uh, I don't want to make the, I don't want to make this a dark episode, but I, I left the, I left the job and I left the occupation, uh, last year. Uh, turned out I had a lot of problems okay. as far as anxiety, panic attacks, and PTSD. And the shit was just getting worse and worse and worse. The whole lockdown situation fucked shit up. <clears throat> and um, actually, lockdown, the whole you know quarantine thing, working from home, I got more work done from my living room than I ever did in the office. Oh, yeah. And I was kind of pissed because they, they wanted to bring us back. And I ended up... Huh, for the first time in my life, I got fired by a fucking noner. That piece of shit, motherfucker. So, wait, hold on. My bad. I digress. You're good. <clears throat> anyway, You're good, man. my job went away. I, I was one of the, you know, senior kind of more experienced dudes in my field. <clears throat> but um, so that didn't work out. And I got picked up by another company in another section, which was great. And they were awesome. They're, I mean, they were really good. The office is cool. But, you know, the job really kind of pissed me off because it shouldn't even exist. And I took a very long, hard look at what I've been doing for 28 years and realized that I'm still trying to solve the exact same problems. And the problem was that nobody wanted those problems to be solved. And I'm taking a big fat paycheck just to occupy space. And they wanted me to do a bunch of shit that I didn't sign up for. And couldn't yeah. handle it, man. I was already having I was already having problems. Every day I'd go to work, I'd sit in the parking lot for a good half hour, 45 minutes, you know, just trying to deep breathe and calm myself down because just getting out of the truck and walking up the steps, I know shit would hyperventilate and think I was having a heart attack. So yeah. <clears throat> there's that. And then uh and this is not an excuse, this was just a capper, but the whole uh follow Kabul thing happened. Okay, yeah. I lost my shit, man. I called my boss and I said, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah, well, how's, uh, 
has things uh, been getting better since you've been, you know, kind of just at home? Um, yes, yes. Um, my, my daughter is very adamant about it. She, you know, when I, I quit, she knows we talk, she knows what's going on up in here. <clears throat> so, you know, after, you know, after I, you know, walked away, finally, uh, after a few weeks, she came down, she's like, dad, you're so much happier. I was like, really? I don't feel like I'm happier, but okay, we'll go for that. So yeah, that burden, that burden's relieved, but you know, the, the problem what's you know, broken up here, we're still working on that stuff. <clears throat> so other than that, it's been kind of hanging out and, you know, living off of um, a very, very meager retirement disability, <laughs> you know, just paying the bills. Right. So I'm pretty much a hermit now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say you don't feel happier, but I imagine you are. And you're retired, so you're allowed to be curmudgeonly a bit, you know? Well, dude, I was born a curmudgeon. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, uh, it's hard because I, I love the relief of not having to be obligated to any, you know, company or mm-hmm. stupid-ass chain of command. But at the same time, it's like, you know, like they talk about in Drinking Bros all, you know, all the time is, you know, you got to have purpose. Yeah. And I'm still trying to find that purpose, but you know, which you're already aware of because you know, you know that I'm, I'm trying to get back into writing. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if that takes off, but now I just need the discipline to actually do it. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Purpose is a very big thing. That's something that I kind of, since my dad passed away pretty recently, looking back at kind of, what his kind of, I'm going to say downfall, the, the, his choices that led to how he got to the health he was. And it was, I really think a lot of it was, you know, he retired, he moved to Iowa with my mom and uh, just kind of had, his job was to just do stuff around the house. And then once the house, there's nothing left to do around the house, he didn't really have much to do. So he, uh, you know, kind of got bored, started drinking had poor health to begin with and just eventually caught up with him. But, uh, yeah, purpose is definitely something oddly enough that it seems to be once people lose purpose, shit can go downhill fast. So, uh, it's good that you found writing for sure. I mean, and then outside of that, I mean, is there anything, if you were to go back into the workforce, even as something part time, like what would you want to do? That's the hard part, man. I don't know. I've, I've gotten to the point where I really fucking hate people and dealing with them. It drives me nuts, especially now. <clears throat> but uh, I actually, you know, for, for a while there, I was actually looking at jobs, you know, and trying some stuff out. And, you know, and all the ones I, you know, got pulled into, it turned out it was like, you know, they're not really doing anything I'm interested in. They're not really helping anybody. They're more about themselves than they are about their customer. I just mm. so that just kind of fueled my uh, my anger, and of course that's my problem. Nobody else's. <laughs> anyway, another topic. Right, right. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I get what you're saying about uh, you know your dad, and I'm very sorry about that. Um, as you know, my mom passed away in March as well. So I'm actually uh, Alex and I, my daughter. We're uh, going, up, going out to Arizona here in a couple of days. 
you know, for the first time since mom passed, you know, to help dad sort through some stuff. And, you know, <clears throat> my daughter, she was, man, she was thick as thieves with my mom. I mean, they were, they were tight. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, they're, you know, she even told her, told my dad, it's like, Hey, don't get, don't get rid of shit until <laughs> I get my chance to go through right. it. Because there's a lot of stuff that she wants and I want, you know, and he's, and he's uh 79 now. So I'm running around and like, you know, pulling boxes down and doing all kinds of shit around the house. Not quite, not quite his thing. So we're going to go, uh, spend some time, hang out, see how he's doing and, uh, you know, help get some, get help get some stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily mom moved here, um, right before our oldest was born. So your daughter, how old is your daughter? 18. 18. Pray for uh, me. Off to, uh, <laughs> off to school. Am I, uh, yeah, a couple of weeks. She's headed out to college. College, yeah. I thought I saw you post something about that. Where's she going? George Mason University. Is that D.C. area? Close, uh, Fairfax area. Okay, gotcha. I don't like the proximity, but it's a damn good school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I recognize the name pretty quick. So, yeah, it's a good school. Does she uh, know what she wants to do? Uh, yeah, she's going to be uh, majoring in uh, geology. Geology. Awesome. I've actually uh, got a really good friend from high school that did geology and uh, he works for, uh, I think, BP now. Crazy. I didn't realize what a huge field that was, man. Uh, my old boss from my, from my, my previous job, his daughter went to uh, GMU and she got picked up immediately. He's making big time money working from home, you know, working for uh, USGS. Yeah. Yeah, this, when he told me, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to major in geology. I was like, why? Seeing like, I thought it was just like one of those degrees that you get just so you know. can go teach geology afterwards, you know? That's but, a huge, I didn't realize how much that touched. Yeah, he uh, he does like geological shit for oil rigs for BP or yeah. Shell, one of them, and makes yep. a ton of money. It's very weird, though, because he's actually like a huge hippie, or at least he was back then. <laughs> so him going to work for like big oil was a bit of a stretch. But, uh, I don't know. Now he lives in Texas and he just posts pictures of him with like dreadlocks shooting a bunch of guns and then going out on oil rigs and shit. So, yeah, I had to reach out to geologists in my, uh, my former life to, uh, learn, learn the, uh, PSIs of various, uh, rock formations to figure out what kind of a penetrating weapon I needed to get into it. Yeah. Uh, so were you, uh, were you pretty stoked when you saw the videos of the, uh, the Moab getting dropped a couple years ago? <laughs> Ooh, that's a funny story. All right, I got two stories on that. One, the original Moab was was the first Moab was supposed to be dropped in 2003. I was on night shift. My counterpart on the day shift, Digger, we had both been competing to be the first ones to drop the points, the uh, the mensurated uh, coordinates to get the Moab on target. And when we heard about it, it was right at shift change. I was coming off, Digger was coming on. And we heard about it, and both of us were like, oh, fuck no, dude. It's going to be me. No way. And we ended up not not dropping it, and Digger worked a regular 12-hour shift. I ended up pulling 36 because I wanted to get that goddamn thing. So that was a a missed opportunity. But anyway, the one that went off in uh, Afghanistan, yes, that was weaponeering porn for me. And the cool thing is, the uh, the NCO who actually planned that mission 
and actually you know, did all the legwork to get that mom on target was one of my students. I'm still a good friend to this day. Awesome. I got, I actually bought him, I actually bought him a, a, a first a custom uh, Moab flag. Oh yeah. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's like the only one, right. That's ever been dropped. Uh, only one dropped in combat. Gotcha. He tested well, yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, so that's a, uh, I'm sure he flies that flag with honor, right? I'm not even. Yeah, a, oh yeah, he, he sent me a picture. He got it framed. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I'm not even like not a veteran, never in the military. But when I saw that, I was like, "That's pretty cool." Yeah, dude, because we we got the uh, videos on the classified systems before they were released, and we were all gathered around this one big ass monitor, and we're like, we just kept hitting rewind, rewind. It was the coolest shit ever. Yeah. Yeah, so back to uh, I guess you're talking about your your daughter being 18. I can see, yeah, if she was that close to your mom, that hit him pretty hard. Luckily for for me, my oldest son is six, so yeah. I mean, I don't. Th- I think he he understands, you know, that his you know grandpa is not around anymore. Um. But I don't think it, you know, it didn't hit him the way I think it would somebody older, you know, obviously he, you know, he talks about like, Oh, what do you think? We call my dad was English. So they're like granddad is kind of what you call, you know, your grand grandpa. But, uh, it's like, what do you think grandpa's or granddad's doing in heaven now? Like all happy about it. So, uh, I guess I lucked out on that one being having an 18 year old getting ready to go to school, worry about senior year, then having a, you know, close grandparent die is probably going to be. Something tough to deal with, for sure. Well, she, man, I tell you what, my kid, God, I mean, she's very, very attached, you know, as, as far as you know, family and friends. But she's also incredibly resilient. I mean, she took it. You know, she she had her deal, but you know, when she got that out of her system, I mean, she's kind of accepted it. And right. Moved on, so I'm really kind of proud of her for that. You know, and that's the double edged sword. Is you know when I when I knew I had to tell her, it's like, God, wouldn't, yeah, would it be better off if this happened when she was too little to really understand it? Or would she rather have the experiences she does, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of, you know, grow up with it, which, you know, I'm, she, she probably helped me a lot more than I helped her through that deal. Yeah. Does she, uh, does she live with you full time? Yeah. Um, without going into details, you know, because, you know, her mom's not here to, you know, tell her side. I mean, we got, we got divorced. um, (laughs) We got divorced right after I retired. I mean, technically I got retired and divorced in the same week, which was kind of funny. I thought, but um, anyway, uh, my, my daughter ended up, you know, living with me full time, at least, you know, during the school year, you know, and, you know, spent summers, alternating Christmases, Thanksgivings and stuff like that with her mom. Her mom came down here and hung out all the time. So it was, it was a very good co-parenting relationship. So I'm pretty happy about that. But yeah, she's pretty much lived with me the whole time. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, uh, where from where you live now, like how far is like George Mason? About two and a half hours. Okay. So manageable, you know, it is manageable. It's, it's, I, it kind of sucks. I was like, 
I'm like, yeah, we can go out of state so I could go back to Texas. Oh. And she, she's staying in Virginia. So that means I'm going to be sticking around here for a while myself, which is fine. I'm happy. It means I get to see her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two and a half hours is, uh, at least from, from her point of view, probably is like, it's far enough away to kind of be on her own, but not so far that, you know, you can be there pretty damn quick, you know? Yeah. She always talks about, yeah, I'm gonna come home every weekend and, you know, and hang out and do this and that. I'm like, babe, you're going to college. You're going to make friends. You're going to have, you're going to get your own routine, your own life. I'll see you when, I'll see you when it's convenient for you, but <laughs> trust me, you're, you're going to want to go off and do your own shit. And I get it. It's all good. Yeah. And it's going to be you and uh, I see the dog in the background there. You post a lot of pictures of your dog. I've noticed. Oh, which one? Oh, oh yeah. Fucking maniac. <laughs> Is that a, I, I had I had to dope him up tonight just so he'd stop barking. Oh yeah, I got, a, another one, I got another one right down here. <laughs> gotcha. So the one on the couch there is that a German Shepherd? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 my rescue murder dog. Rescue murder dog. What you rescued it from murdering somebody, or it murdered no, somebody a, needed rescued? No, he's a murder dog that I rescued. <laughs> nice. Then what's the uh, what's the other dog? Chloe, she's a another rescue. She's a Staffordshire Terrier. Okay, not familiar with that one either. Let's see. Uh, actually, really pretty. She's got that brindle, you know, all white on the underside, but with the tiger stripes down her back and her, her head. Terrier. Okay. We're friends on Facebook. You'll find. You'll find. Oh pictures yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looks like a fucking kind of dog. Definitely smaller than a German Shepherd. Yeah. You know, she's about medium size. Yeah. Who has the more energy? Oh, definitely the Shepherd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chloe will get going, but man, Draco, I don't know what's gotten up his ass. He hasn't shut the hell up in two days. <laughs> a leaf falls, he barks at it. <laughs> Just being protective, man. It's a crazy world out there. You don't know what that... You don't know what you know, you don't know if that's a leaf or like, you know, a Chinese listening device. Yeah. Never know. Hey, did you see your dad was English? Yes. Yep. No yeah. shit. My dad's English too. Yeah. He's, uh, was originally from, uh, a town or I guess neighborhood ish you call Grays in Essex, which is essentially at this point, like a suburb of East London. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the I don't know the full details. My dad was born in London in 1943. He came over when he was nine. Yeah, that was probably being. Uh, my dad was born 64, I believe. Mm-hmm. No, no, earlier than that. Whatever year I know, he was born the same year that the uh, Queen Elizabeth was coronated, because he always. Cool. He always made the joke that it's the only queen he's ever known, which <laughs> turned out to be true. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and he had uh, a really funny story. He, When he was like 19, he was working at a, a Ford plant. That, and I've seen it. I you know, was lucky enough to go to England quite a bit when I was younger. And uh, like it's this crazy Ford plant in East London that's, like two and a half miles long and it's like literally like raw steel comes in one end 
and a car comes out the other. Like they, they do all the like manufacturing in this building. Cool. He, he worked there like nights, hated it. Uh, was living with my grandmother still at that time. And just came home one day. He's like, I'm going to move to America. And it was like, you know, nine o'clock at night or something. And she's like, you're not going to do that. Well, he's like, he packed a bag and went to Heathrow airport in London. And I was like, Hey, oh, give wow. me on the, give me on the next flight to America. And they're kind of like, well, it's not that easy to do, but so he ended <laughs> up, uh, getting on like a red eye flight from London to Nassau. And, wow. uh, Spent a couple weeks working as a waiter, I think, in, uh, in Nassau, and then hopped on a seaplane to Miami. Um, you know, 19-year-old English guy working in Miami, working in uh, hotels. And then he always, really funny, he, he worked as a server in a male strip club in Miami. <laughs> and... Uh, I was like, okay. Um, I think he was trying to downplay some things there because his best friend he met, like his, you know, I'm a guy, like his best friend who I like, I grew up with this guy. Um, they met in Miami at this strip club. And I always, I would always ask him like, so were you both servers at this club? He's like, yeah. He's like, but like, what does that really mean? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, like I'm just gonna leave it at that. But uh, and then through you know circumstances, uh, he was working a working as a manager at a hotel on uh, you know Beachfront Avenue. You know the scene from Scarface, like the beginning scene where they chainsaw the dude up. Yes. Uh, like two hotels down from that, he was the manager of the <laughs> hotel there, and then uh, the owner of that, who you know liked my dad and was friends with him, bought a hotel in the, the mountains of North Carolina and wanted my dad to go run that. So he did that. And, uh, my mom was a, I think a senior, at, uh, Indiana university and her and her roommate decided to go spend their summer in the mountains of North Carolina. And that's where she met my dad. And that's that, that's how I ended up being born in North Carolina, but wild story. Um, the strip club bit always gets everybody. People that's like, cool. Though. I mean, who else? Who else has that story to tell? I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, my older brother can tell it, but I don't know if he tells it quite as entertaining as I do. He's kind of a dry guy. Yeah, my grandfather came over first on the Queen Mary, which is now a tourist attraction in Long Beach. Yeah. And my father came over. My father and my nana, nana, very British, yep. came over uh, later on the Queen Elizabeth which up till a few years ago was taken sideways out of Hong Kong Harbor. Okay. <laughs> Is the Queen Elizabeth, wasn't that like the sister ship to Titanic? I think so. I don't know. I didn't look up the history, but I know it was in, I, I know it was in a James Bond movie. Oh yeah. Which one? One of the really old, the early uh, Connery ones. Oh, I forget what it was, but they got on the ship and you go inside and it's like this secret lair that's all decked out. Oh yeah. I can see that. You know, is that hot take? Connery, not as good as a Bond as everybody says he is. I don't know, man. It's I think Daniel Craig took ownership of it, but God, I love Connery. He was yeah, awesome. I mean, Connery's—he's obviously the first, you know, the classic one. You know, smacking women around, not taking no for an answer. <laughs> you know, a rap on the beak. A rap on the beak. <laughs> you know, 
a hundred no's and one yes is a yes kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. I definitely <laughs> think, uh, the later these, the Daniel Craig ones were done really well other than, I don't know. Quantum of Solace was a bit of a snooze fest, but, uh, the, uh, my favorite's probably got to be Pierce Brosnan, though. I liked him a lot. Really? Come on, man. I know. I know. You might as well have said Jeremy Dalton at that point. Shit. Yeah, I mean, but I also like Miracle Whip, so that just shows <laughs> you my, you know, my decision-making skills. I will, give, I will give Brosnan credit because he was cool. I mean, he's cool, he's a good actor, but he wasn't James Bond in those movies. He was fucking Remington Steele, bro. Oh, yeah, Remington Steele, and then... Uh, What's the, did you ever see the movie, I think it's called like Detonator or something, where he's like a bomb explosive in DC, or like a, uh, like an EOD tech or something in, in DC, and uh, somebody's got some sort of like, it was like an 80s movie, and somebody's got some sort of like injectable antibodies that turn like human bodies into bombs. No, but it sounds cool. It is a pretty cool movie. There's a lot of there's a lot of nudity in it, which I remember because like my dad showed me that movie when I was like ten. You know, it's like Pierce yeah. Brosnan, awesome. Like, look at this, watch this movie. The next thing you know, there's like some chick just getting like railed in a yacht or something, and he's like, "Oh, don't tell your mom you watch <laughs> this." But uh, yeah, go check it out. I think it's called Detonator. But there's that. But if we're gonna get on movies. I was gonna ask you this: Have you seen the new Top Gun? I have not. You haven't seen it yet man nope i've seen it twice and it's just as awesome the second time well i want to i mean but that's cool thing about me is i'm in no rush right i i have become the most laid-back motherfucker i know i'm sitting there i'm looking at my tv going you know what it's eventually going to show up on camera and i'll see it yeah i don't know my own home i don't know man seeing it in the theater is pretty wild I would like to. I really do. But God, I hate theater so much. I, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of them. Luckily, like the one down the road from the our new house, it's like very fancy and you sit in like a recliner and you have like space between people and you can like order booze and stuff and food. And you have like your own little table. So that made it a lot more manageable. I also went and saw it both times. I went and saw like afternoon matinees of it. So... Well, it's the same reason I don't like to go out to bars or clubs anymore. I mean, besides the fact I'm old. <laughs> but, uh, it's like, shit, dude. By the end of the night, I'm like, I could have drank the same amount for one-tenth of what I paid tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially. Uh, screw that shit. Yeah, I so definitely. Uh... If, I, you know, if I do go to a theater, it'll be in the winter when I have heavy clothing and I can sneak my own shit in. Yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. I mean, no, you just got to. You know, at least when I was growing up, you always had to, you know, as a kid, you'd find ways to sneak candy in. Same yeah. thing, just with booze. Not know? pretty much. I mean, they're not going to search you if you, like, just shove a couple of airliners of fireball down your underwear and you're good to go. Well, I've lost faith in security anyway. I mean, case in point, we went to my daughter's graduation year or high school graduation year, you know, not too long ago. I had to get in, go through metal detectors. The website says that, you know, according, you know, in accordance with state law, concealed carry is authorized. I was like, yeah, let me just call and check. And so I did. And then they're like, nope, sorry, not for this event. 
I was like, oh, well, you need to update your fucking rules. Right. So I, I did not carry in there. Went through metal detectors. They searched us. I was like, oh, okay, that's great. And so we get up there and no concessions are open, but they said no outside food or drink. So no food, no drink, no nothing. <clears throat> and then throughout the ceremony, I look out back, you know, the glass doors out the back of the Coliseum. There's a bunch of people out there smoking. I was like, oh, shit. So I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go join the dads. And I go out there and I look and there's no security, no locks, no nothing. Instant access from the inside. So, yeah, I, I've lost complete faith in security. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've flown any time recently, but TSA. Yeah. TSA oh, letting their guard down quite a bit lately. Ah, uh, yeah, I'll, I get to experience that bullshit again on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're flying out to uh, Arizona. What part of Arizona? Prescott Valley, man. You ever get a chance to go there? It's so gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, are you flying into Phoenix? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Phoenix sucks. The airport sucks. I'm sorry. The city's cool. Love you, Phoenix folks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I went through the airport, but it was for work, like in a quick in and out years ago. Um, yeah. So I don't know. At that point, I think I was I was going through Atlanta a lot because it was back when I was still in North Carolina. So like anything at that point to me was better than Atlanta. Now I live in the Midwest and I love Atlanta and I mm -hmm. cannot stand Chicago O'Hare. I've only gone through Chicago once and it was so long ago. I can't, and it was in the middle of the night, so I can't remember it, but yeah, I've got, I've, I've flown through Atlanta, North Carolina so many times. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, like Prescott Valley or Prescott does have an airport, but there's only one airline that flies in there and that's United. Uh, and uh, you got to go through Denver and it's really expensive because it's, it's a small regional. Mm -hmm. I've done it a couple of times, but, you got to do like a 10 hour layover in fucking Denver. And every time I get stuck overnight. Yeah. Yeah. I've started. only, I've only ever been through Denver once in my life. And that was coming back it from vacation. So I'm coming back from vacation last year. And if I ever do like start a Patreon or something, I'll tell the story, but I got, I got up and down slurred by a dude. In, uh, in one of the, in one of the like to go booze lines. It was pretty wild. Pretty oh, wow. wild. Um, yeah. I don't know that kind of problem. Just it's just a shitty airport, man. I got I got more I got more exercise just trying to get from one place to another than any other. Yeah, it's also apparently a portal to hell or something like that. The Denver airport. I don't know if you yeah. ever got any of that. But but yeah, if you're flying into Phoenix, uh, <coughs> you know, reach out to uh, our our guy Timmy D. He's in Phoenix. Go get a beer or something with him. Well, no, I would, but I'm uh, again. I'm only in time for I'm only in time for like five days. Mm. I'm going straight from Phoenix yeah. up to Prescott Valley, yep. and that's all about you know time with dad. Oh yeah, yeah, makes sense. Out, so. Makes yeah, sense. I, I mean, I got friends in the area too, but and I was like, I was like, Nats, nah, maybe the next trip. This one, this one's about dad. Right. How far of a drive is that then from the airport? It's about two hours. Okay. Eh, not terrible, but yeah. Not bad. Yeah. It's nearly like I'll probably sleep the whole time anyway. <laughs> yeah. Let let the daughter drive. You just pass out in the passenger. No, no, we gotta, yeah, we have to get a shuttle. We have to get a shuttle. Okay. Yeah. 
Even better, though, then. You can, like, yeah, sleep, do shit on your phone, you know, whatever. Going back to what you are saying about the cost of living in California, my parents bought the house that I grew up in, shit, like, three years before I was born, for, like, $38,000. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And um, they, they saw the writing on the wall in 2006, you know, the shit was about to go side, go about to go sideways fast, and mm-hmm. they sold. I ain't gonna say how much. Right. They sold yeah. more, but yeah. let's say they were at work again. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, I looked back. I looked on Zillow recently, and that house. I mean, we're talking maybe eleven hundred square feet of you know wood frame stucco that was built in nineteen fifty five. It's going for almost a million dollars. Oh yeah. I yeah. Said, Who the fuck is going to California? Who can afford that? I don't know. I mean, Zillow is a great website, though. I love Zillow. But, yeah, yeah it's a uh, – yeah, I don't know who's moving to California. I would assume it's just people moving within California at this point, right? I don't know, man. It's, it's confusing. I got a lot of friends, especially from high school, still there. And uh, they, they all stayed in Huntington Beach, thank God. You know, that seems that, – that city – Parts of Orange County seem to be one of the last sane bastions of the state. Yeah. You know, that are gonna follow, at least as far as the coastal cities. So hopefully they're doing all right, man. Because it's, it's such a beautiful state. God, I love California. Yeah, you know, that's so that's what I hear from a lot of people that have spent time there. It's like, I love the state. It's gorgeous. But the politics have kind of ruined it. So, you know, well, hopefully one day they can bounce back. I think in the Schwarzenegger days, wasn't it all right there? I can't really. I was young. and uh, From what I heard and everybody who was there said, yeah, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was better. Yeah. The last time I was there in 2006, um, before my parents moved to Arizona, um, <laughs> I mean, just simple shit. I went to a local liquor store to buy some beer. <coughs> the, uh, the emo goth chick behind the counter you know, asked my ID. I showed her my military ID because... My California driver's license that I still had, yeah. I was like 16, three inches shorter, 30 pounds lighter, had long hair. <laughs> and uh, so I, I showed her my military ID. And this bitch actually said the words, we don't serve your kind here. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> All righty then. Okay. Let's see where this is going. Hmm. I'll tell you what I did to her car later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. It yeah. involved a, it involved a substance called liquid ass in the uh, AC intake. Nice, nice. Yeah, but uh, Jessica in the chat said a million easy, and then uh, somebody else said something. Oh, uh, frightening! So I'll trust you. Frightening me said uh, Chinese people are buying all the house from the people leaving. I believe that one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean. Here's the thing, it's real estate rarely ever tends to go significantly down and stay there. So I mean what's yeah. that what's that million dollar house gonna be worth in ten years, you know? Who knows? I don't know. I guess it depends on where you are. Like I was in uh, Tampa, Florida in two thousand eight when the housing market really took a shit. Mm-hmm. Prior to going out there, I mean all the houses we looked at, you know, two months before we moved went up over went up about eighty to a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. 
overnight. I was yeah. like, well, shit, this complicates things. So I was, you know, we were forced to buy a house, you know, at a ridiculous price because they were all going up. And then the housing market crashed. And <laughs> I ended up selling, I bought for 243 and in 2010, I sold for 126. Oof. Don't tell me that. I just bought a damn house in this market. Well, yeah, that's the hard part. But it depends where. Like uh, North Carolina, um, you know, all my friends there, the market stayed very steady. It didn't, it didn't really take a hit. It just depended on where you were. But that the investors spent so much money in Florida right. building all these neighborhoods that were never completed because the market crashed. Right. Yeah, it didn't, I will say here, I mean, values went up quite a bit, like in relative. But the big problem was a lot of houses, when we were looking for houses, it wasn't so much that the valuations were insane. It was just like everybody was buying, buying, buying. So like we were offering like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 over asking on houses and not getting them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was not a fun time, uh, for sure. Luckily, we finally found the house we both liked and uh, were able to get it for like under asking, which was insane. But thank God for that, man. It yeah. depends on where you are, where the demand is. Like, yep. where I'm at my my house is appreciated, but I mean, not quite at the rates of like what's going on in Texas right now. Yeah, which is fine. <laughs> I don't care. I'm gonna be here for a little while. But God, dude. It's just amazing how people get ripped off. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, it was nuts. It was definitely nuts. I, uh, I've told the story before, but we went and walked through this house, and me and my wife both loved it and uh, was actually kind of below our budget. And, but they had a, the, the people must have been originally from Pittsburgh because they had like Steeler stuff and Penguin <laughs> stuff, like everything was just Pittsburgh sports everywhere like yeah. Pitt University. Um, so we both liked it. It was under budget. I was like, okay, like offer them. We're going to offer like, I'm tired of playing games. This is like probably the, I don't know, 20th house we had looked at. I was like, I'm tired of playing games. Like let's just offer them 40 grand over what they're asking. But I want an answer in two hours. Like that should be plenty of time. It's a yes yeah. or no. Well, they strung us along with excuses, you know, like, well, we have kids to go to sports, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, fine. Well, the next morning, they could, like, it kept bumping back, bumping back, bumping back. And they're like, oh, we'll have an answer for you, like, at 8 a.m. That night, our realtor calls us, like, oh, yeah, like, the reason why they keep bumping it back is because they've been showing the house. Yep. Like, pretty much using our offer, you know, just as, you know, a card to use. So I, I just told her, I was like, they didn't decline our offer. I said, pull our offer. Like, no, I'm not playing these games. $40,000 yep. over, you know, I was like, I don't know, 15% over asking. It's like, should make them, it should be a pretty quick yes or no. Yeah, at that point, it's like, how much more fucking money do you want to get out of this? Yeah. Deal? So I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, fuck this guy. But I told yeah. our, I told our realtors, like, in the email, I want you to put, that I am telling them that the city of Pittsburgh will never win another championship ever again. Oh, dude, that's harsh. And to her credit, she put it in the email. She blind copied me on it and it said, like, my client would like to know that because of your client's, uh, like, distasteful actions, 
that he feels that the city of Pittsburgh will never win a sports championship ever again. <laughs> now, to to my friends listening, so like JJ and Ruben, it was said <laughs> out of anger. I apologize. I took it back. But that guy doesn't know I took it back. And now he has to live with the fact that he might be the reason that Pittsburgh doesn't win a championship. Well, it's not Heinz Field anymore either, so... Yeah, it's not. not in their favor. Who uh who bought it? Like some insurance company I heard? I don't know. Some it was like Avrocorp or some yeah. shit. I don't know. Something pretty boring. I don't know. I'm, I'm pissed about that because, I mean, I'm not from Pittsburgh, but I grew up with an aunt who is a diehard Pittsburgh fan. So I, you know, am a Pittsburgh fan. And I was like, fuck, dude, that's bullshit. I mean, we, Heinz family was bullshit too, but hey. Huh. Well, I mean, is the, is the ketchup market not doing well? Like, why didn't they re-up that one? I don't know, man. That's like Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego. That was like Qualcomm Stadium. Huh. Who the fuck wants to go to Qualcomm? Yeah, I don't know. Jack Murphy, buddy. Shit. That's why I love, that's why, I don't, I don't give a shit what, you know, Ross and Dan say about the park. That's what I love about Dodger Stadium. Besides being a fun place to watch a game. It's still Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just, I wonder if some companies are just realizing, like, I mean, Heinz Field is kind of one that is pretty historical. Yeah. But um, when I was, I think I was in college, I was working at Lowe's. And that's when Lowe's declined to, like, re-up their naming rights for, like, Lowe's Motor Speedway in Charlotte. Mm. And it was... The insane thing was, like, the Speedway, like, the contract was up, and the Speedway was like, we don't want to have to change signage or find somebody else. So I think they were, like, some pretty asinine number. Like, if you want to keep it as Lowe's Motor Speedway, it'll be, like, $5 million to have it for the next five years or something, you know. And Lowe's said no. I guess it just doesn't convert. You know, I don't know. I don't blame him, man. It's a waste of money. It's like, who the fuck doesn't know what Lowe's is? Yeah, at that point, I mean, yeah, now Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is fine, you know. But, so yeah, anyways, you you brushed on it before. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is uh, you've gotten into writing, right? So you're, you're doing some stuff on Substack, which until you had posted that, I'd only ever actually heard of Substack. I never went on it, but you, you posted that you were doing some writing on there. I went and read some of your stuff and... uh it's good, man. So, like, what got you? Uh, what got you inspired to get into that? Ah, uh, man, it's hard because it's hard to really kind of nail down because I don't really have it figured out yet. But I've always loved language and expression. I don't know why. You know, I'm kind of I'm very nitpicky about it, but it's, <clears throat> I've always been really good at writing. I mean, in my military career. You know, when it came down to writing award packages, PRs, I'm sorry, uh, performance reports, mm-hmm. anything, you know, I was kind of the go-to guy on that because I was very good at kind of articulating words and language and expression. <clears throat> and I've, I've enjoyed it. And for years, man, my, my friends have bugged me. He's like, dude, you should start a blog. I was like, man, fuck that. Who's going to read my bullshit? I'm just, you know, I've already got, I've already got Facebook at that point. <laughs> they see yeah. enough of my bullshit. <clears throat> but uh, 
I start. I, I did start one on WordPress years ago, and um, it's the same name, Particle Fifteen. You know, just to kind of figure it out and get it started. And as I've addressed in you know what I'm doing now, you know, I'd look back on my old shit and go, God damn, that was terrible. <clears throat> but um, that got to be a pain in the ass, and and it was costing me money because I had to pay for the site, I had to mm-hmm. pay for all the other shit. So I'm letting it sunset. They're trying to charge me more money, but I changed the card so they can't get me. <laughs> and um, I let it go for a couple of years. I just kind of got distracted and didn't really pursue anything because I really didn't know what the hell to write about. <clears throat> and um, you know, a lot of a lot of good friends, you know, kind of pushed me back into it. And, and another one, someone, I'll give him his props, uh, <clears throat> John McGill. Um, Johnny Toughnuts, JTN, my boy. Anyway, he, um, he he really kind of prompted me to get back into it, and somebody recommended Substack to me. I'd never heard of it either until I checked it out and started a page and started putting stuff out there back in January. And again, I'm, I'm looking back at my library tonight, and I was like, eh, would I want to read this shit? <laughs> Probably not. But... Again, it's it's not something that just happens overnight. I just I got to keep trying new stuff and see what happens. Who knows? But the cool thing about Substack is you can monetize it. Right. But I think I got what like sixty five subscribers, which is nothing. And I think almost all of them are my friends. And I'm not going to charge money to my friends. Right. The ones who got me here and pushed me to do this. Right. And at the, at the same time. I don't have a set schedule. I don't have a format. You know, I may put out five in a week. I may put out five in a day. I may go two weeks without not doing anything. Like next week, I'm going to be in Arizona for a few days. So I probably won't be putting anything out. So <clears throat> I'm still in the discovery phase trying to figure this shit out. That's all. Oh, yeah, man. And yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. Like, trust me, I'm on episode 42. Like, yeah. it's an evolution, man. Like, I'm. The the first, I mean, however many episodes, I couldn't even get the audio fucking figured out, you know, and it's going to be a, you know, you, you can look back at where you started and you kind of use that to appreciate where you've, you know, where you are now. And uh, from from what I've read, you know, I've read some of your more recent ones and it's good, man. I've found it enjoyable. I was at my desk today reading it and liked it. And uh, so... I mean, you talk about you can monetize on Substack. You're torn on, you know, whether that's a something you want to do or not, and I totally get that. But, uh, like, do you have any kind of aspirations to write, like, a, a long form or a book or anything like that? Boy, that I tell you what, a lot of people ask me that. Of writing a book, one, I can't, I'm not a, I'm not a fiction guy. I'm I'm an observa- I'm an observation experience guy, so I mean when I write things, it's because something came to my mind based on something I saw or something I experienced that I really want to kind of analyze and comment on. Right. So I mean I am not Jack Carr, ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, the only I can't think of a reason to write a book or what to write about. You know, a lot of people talk about. Actually, a few folks have asked me to write about myself, like a biography. 
I was like, why? No one's gonna fucking read that shit. <laughs> I mean, I would have to, I would have to start it off in the forward of, uh, it's like, it's like, who am I and why should you care? I'm nobody, so you shouldn't. But anyway, well, there you go. Hey, hey, up. you've got the intro figured out, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. And I mean, if I anything, know. you might have. You know, it doesn't have to be. I've read a couple of books from people that it's it's less of um like biographical writing and more of just like a collection of short stories, you know, from their experiences. Well, and who knows? Maybe that's maybe that's what my substack will evolve into one day. I don't yeah. know. Well, I got to figure it out before I make before I you know make a plan the next step. Yeah. Jessica asked what you write about and uh, I'll let you answer. I'll let you answer that. But yeah, pretty much anything. It just seems like um, if you have an opinion on something, you just hop on Substack and write about it. Right. Well, yeah, I put, I put a, me- I put a uh, message out yesterday. I was like, you know, I mean, you guys, you know, people can you know, listen to me, you know, offer opinions on, you know, the same current events that we're all looking at and, every day <clears throat> but you know at some point it gets boring because everybody's doing that so i was like all right you know what do you guys want to hear so i've gotten a few responses um so far i'm not quite sure where to go with a few uh one of the one of the ones that i posted a what, last week or a week i don't know a few a few articles ago uh, somebody asked me you know what i thought about ufos mm-hmm. i was like oh all right, I got some experience with this, so I wrote an article on UFOs, just for shits and grins. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the ones I read, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. <laughs> so, um, so what's oh, uh, Jessica in the live chat saying you should look up Red Dead Reckoning Collective. It's a veteran publisher, and they do writing workshops. Uh, thank oh. you, Jessica. Actually, well, I'm gonna go. I'm not paying attention to the chats because I'm you know, right. paying attention to you. So I'll go back through those later and make sure to write that down. Dead or look up Dead Reckoning Collective. Okay, huh? And there, then, used to be an, there used to be an Art Fifteen publishing company. I don't know if they're still alive. I don't know. Probably not. Uh, Nico the Greco said you should write a book about your sexual encounters in the seedy alleys of California. Uh, that's probably one of the, yeah, I, I, that's one of the few places I didn't get laid there. Nico, sorry, buddy. <laughs> Short book. So maybe your sexual encounters oh, everywhere else. It's all, it's all blank pages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, or like inverse. It's just like you're, you're writing about what you're thinking about as you're jerking off through your youth in California. Ooh. It's a I'm fantasy novel. About that one. Shit. So I was going to suggest you try your hand at like Harry Potter fan fiction, like erotic Harry Potter fan fiction. Mm, no. No? Well, going back to the last one, though, to answer Nico's uh, question, at least part of it, I'm going to say, and I'm dating myself here, Wilma from Buck Rogers. Wilma from Buck Rogers. I got to look this one up. You are dating yourself quite a bit. That's right. Her name's Erin Gray. Erin Gray. She's the one that made Lycra bodysuits fucking cool. 
I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was hot back then. The bodysuit works. The big hair. You know. Yeah. There's a. Lies and she was a badass. Nice. Nice. Well, cool, man. We'll wrap this up. I'll let you uh, get back to your evening of uh, was it Jim or what are you drinking? Uh, Jim Beam and Coke. Jim Be- no. Jameson uh, and Pepsi. Jameson and Pepsi. You ever go? Uh, you ever switch it up? Get spicy and do like some Dr Pepper instead of Pepsi? Nah, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of Dr Pepper. But yeah, I mix it up. I've evolved over the years. I mean, started with Jim, went to Jack, and yeah, with then Captain Morgan Spice Rum. Now I'm on Jameson. So nice, nice man. Well, I'll let you get back to that. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let everybody know where they can find your uh, Substack writing. Oh shit! Um, just look for Farticle uh, Fifteen on Substack. Now, recording one says anything. Actually, Farticle Fifteen has been around since about at least the the term since nineteen ninety four. So no, I did not steal that from Article Fifteen and JT and those guys. Gotcha. Uh, if you go, if you actually find it, go to the very very first post. And that explains the origin of Oracle 15. Um, <clears throat> other than that, I mean, DJ Davies on Facebook, Twitter. I never use, I rarely use Twitter. Uh, Instagram, you know, a lot of you folks are already there. And um, Amory King started a new one today called uh, Triggered Social. Okay. I'm looking at it. I mean, it looks pretty cool, but it's still in the beta version. But anyway, I'm, I'm old, so I'm pretty much mostly on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know uh, on your Facebook, kind of in your bio, you've got a link to your Substack. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely go check it out. The writing. I love the writing. You know, uh, go read DJ stuff. It's entertaining. I enjoyed it. It got me through my day to day prepping for this show. It was a lot of fun. And um, thanks for coming on again, man. Um, hey Bill, man, I, I really appreciate you inviting me on, man. I, this is this is great. No, it's a again, like I said at the you know beginning of the show, there are so many cool people in this uh, in this community that you know I've been told plenty of times that like it's a, this podcast is like too niche, which I, it is. I mean, it's fine. Um, it's fine, it's but I'm, else. I, I do it because I like doing it. I like talking, meeting people, like you talking to people, telling stories. Um, it's fun. That's why I do it. I love having the live chat, you know, the people. It's almost like a uh, a pretty uh, very large dysfunctional family, you know, the Nooners. So, <laughs> But we all love each other, so that's what counts. Speaking uh, of that. Like I said, it's, it's our niche, man. It's our family. Yep. Yep. So, again, like, subscribe, share if you think somebody would like listening to me uh, bullshit with people for sure. Um, it may be niche, but maybe we can make it bigger. Who knows? And, uh, on that, I think, um, tomorrow is going to be an episode of, I was telling you offline, but I think, uh, me and a couple other nooners did, uh, recorded an episode with Dan Holloway for citizen, um, a couple weeks ago. And I think that's getting released tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. And if you haven't seen that show yet, um, it's good. I like it. I think it's, a uh, a little bit different direction than American party. Um, but I kind of like what Dan's doing with that a little better. Um, so definitely go check that out. And, uh, yeah, 
Thanks for joining us. DJ, thanks again, man. It was a great conversation. We'll definitely have you back on, you know, talk about when you when you're sorry, man. I look forward to it. When you release your book, we'll have you on. Ain't happening. <laughs> when you release when you release uh Naughty Thoughts by DJ Davies, you know? Becomes a number one bestseller with uh Aaron Gray talking about all your Aaron Gray thoughts. You never know, ma'am. Maybe you maybe you find it. Maybe you find your calling as a uh like a uh vintage erotic novelist. Oh god, what would the title be? It's like how many <laughs> the, the many ways to bust to to Aaron Gray. Going no, 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 no. Going gray. Ooh. Ooh. There you go. Shades of gray. I think somebody's got that one. But that's spelled with an A and not an E, so I don't know. That's for your publisher to figure out. (laughs) 50 nuts of gray. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Anyways, we're going to end it on that. Guys, thanks for listening. Again, harping on it. Like, subscribe on YouTube. Go find it on all the podcast platforms. But this has been the Nooner Nation. Thank you, guys. Love you.